please turn with me this morning to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Matthew 5 and verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The very first sentence, the very first words of this Sermon on the Mount that we've begun looking at. We've just uh, begun last week, we had an introduction, and today I'd just like to look at this particular verse. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We've seen uh, how the Lord here has ascended a mount, and the crowds have followed him, his disciples and apostles, uh, they are nearby, they are with him, and uh, we saw how he's actually, in spite of the thousands who are there on that mountain listening to him, uh, he's actually directing uh, his voice and his attention and his eyes are set on his disciples. But uh, everyone else is hearing as well, because this is a message uh, also for them. And they're going to hear some marvelous things. They're going to hear some wonderful things that they've never heard come from the, the teachers of the scribes and the Pharisees that they've listened to in the synagogue and the temple for years and years. And now they're going to hear something that is going to startle them and is going to amaze them. And their end, at the end, they're going to say, we've never heard any man speak like this man. Look at the way he speaks. He's speaking as one who is filled with authority, as one who knows what he is talking about, who is sure about what he is talking about, sure about these truths. He can see these truths with a very clear eye, a clear vision, as if they are realities. They are realities to him. And he speaks as if, as one who knows uh, these things. And he begins here with this, blessed are the poor in spirit. Happy are the poor in spirit. Supremely happy is he. he we can say he bellows out uh, to his disciples, but everyone can hear it. Happiness consists in being poor in spirit, his very first words. Well, that would have startled the crowd, isn't it? The Jews uh, who were there, who were listening, well, they'd been programmed uh, to think of it in a different way. They'd been programmed to think of, uh, to expect a political Messiah. They'd been, they were, they'd been programmed to expect some Messiah who is going to be some great earthly figure, somebody who is going to come and bring prosperity to the nation, who is going to make Israel great again in, in earthly terms, who is going to bring about a prosperous nation. And they were looking for all these outward material things that were going to come about as a result of the Messiah coming. Uh, this is the kind of Messiah that they expected one who's going to bring commercial success, political dominance, external prosperity. This is the kind of Messiah that they were programmed to expect. But instead here, Christ is talking about blessed are the poor in spirit. That's so contrary. That's so opposite to what they were thinking of. They were thinking of external things, and here Christ says, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's not the way they were thinking. It's not the way we think. We as well perhaps are, are programmed through life to think that 
happiness, blessedness, joy, a good life is found in being rich, in being outwardly prosperous, in having a wonderful house, a good house, or many houses, or a great car. And we think, oh, going up the ladder, we are programmed by the world to think success and, and happiness is found in these things. And we look for these things. Naturally, we look for them. So to hear words like this from Christ, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, that startles us, isn't it? That jars with us a little bit. No, 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 no. That's not quite right to us. But this is what the Lord says. To win the lottery. <laughs> That's blessedness. No, it's not, Christ says. Blessed are the poor uh, in spirit. The world says, blessed are the rich, those who have everything, those who have need of nothing. Sadly, many charismatic leaders are saying the same thing. Blessed are the prosperous, blessed are the rich. God wants you to be rich. Only yesterday I was talking to somebody and she said, this is the gospel, this is the good news. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be prosperous. And I tried to point out to her about the poor saints in Jerusalem. And there are so many other examples of people who've fallen sick. Yeah, Epaphroditus left sick at Miletus and so on. But these, uh, it's, uh, the, the, the gospel, many of our charismatic friends sadly can only see uh, the good news in outward prosperity and outward comforts. But friends, here the Lord says, blessed are the poor in spirit. The one who is truly happy is one who has attained to this position in their life. Now notice, friends, the Lord is not saying that blessed are the poor, full stop. He's not saying that. Uh, he, he says blessed are the poor in spirit. As we mentioned last week, we're talking about spiritual characteristics. We're not talking about something that is just natural. We're talking about spiritual qualities. It's true that in Luke 6, 20, uh, when Luke relates the same sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he says, blessed are the poor. He stops, he drops those two words, in spirit. But even there, I think if you, if you look at the context, it demands a spiritual interpretation rather than a, a, on a temporal level. I think it would be rather cruel, isn't it, to say, blessed are the poor, those who are going through difficult times. It would be somewhat heartless uh, if the Lord really meant that. To be in a state where you're struggling to feed your family, to make ends meet, well, that's a pitiable condition. To be destitute of things, uh, to, be, uh, to, to uh, find it very hard to, to, to get on in life. Well, friends, that's a, a, a position that we would pity anyone who is found in that, as long as it's not self-inflicted. Sometimes people bring themselves into that position. And yet, though it's not talking here about, though it's talking rather here about a, a, a spiritual quality, yet at the same time we can say that there is some benefit in being poor rather than in being rich. And we talk in natural terms. Because the poor person, the one who doesn't have a lot of material things, well, he is much more likely to listen to the Word of God. He's much more likely to have a year to hear because he has needs. He feels his needs. 
he is a person who is much more likely to pray than a rich man. A rich man really has so many things in life, he doesn't feel his need to the same degree that a person who is poor does. He doesn't feel the need to call upon God and to cry out uh, to Him in the same way. And so, uh, in, in a sense, there is some sort of spiritual advantage to the poor person. You're more likely to get, the gospel is more likely to reach such a person. You remember it said, the poor have the gospel preached to them, the Lord said. More likely they are to give ear to it than the rich person. So there is that some advantage to it, uh, to, to having uh, less in this life rather than more. Many people, they want more. They, they don't realize that if you want more and more in this world, in a sense, you are hardening that, that uh, desire towards God. You're hardening that aspect uh, to, to go towards the Lord because you, you're going to feel less and less. If you do grow richer and richer and become more and more independent of God, then you'll feel less and less your dependence uh, upon God. If you're more dependent upon self, rather, than you are upon God. Riches have this thing to it. It's not just uh, you get rich and you, very few people can manage to handle riches in the right way. Not to say rich people are not saved. Of course, there are saved, but they are fewer in comparison uh, to those who are poorer. But we must say at the same time, poverty does not save a person. Being poor doesn't guarantee a heaven uh, in the next life. There are some people who think in this way, oh, my lot is terrible in this world. Uh, I don't have everything. I am struggling to make ends meet. It's miserable. I, I, you know, I, I don't know how I can go on. But at least I know even though everything is bad, I look at my neighbor and everything is going wonderful for him, but it's not so with me. But at least I have this comfort that in the next life, everything will be fine, everything will be okay, things will be turned around, and I will now be, uh, I will now be happy, I will be rich in the next life, everything will be resolved because of my poverty in this life. Oh, friends, to, do, to think in such a way... Uh, would not be right uh, because there is only one door to heaven. If you think poverty is a way into heaven, you are creating another door uh, into heaven. There's only uh, one train uh, to heaven. There's only one way uh, to it, one valid ticket that you can have to get to heaven. And that ticket says, it's uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's the only way one person can get to heaven. It's not by saying, well, I'm a poor person. Uh, that's why I deserve heaven. No, friends. It's only by uh, trusting in the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. So then this is a spiritual characteristic that we're talking about. And poverty doesn't produce humility. Poverty naturally doesn't lead to humility. A poor person may be as proud as a rich person. That's, 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 that's obvious, isn't it? A poor person, though he has, has a little, may be as proud as a rich person. He, he may be proud of his good works, and he may be a good person, and he may, in spite of his poverty, may still be helping other people, and that makes him proud. And that makes him feel good about himself before God. That makes him rich in spirit. That makes him self-righteous. 
And uh, so uh, it, it, uh, poverty really is not something that entitles us uh, to uh, God's blessing and to heaven. Well, what then? If it's not these things, what then is Christ talking about when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit? Well, friends, it's a realization before God uh, that we are nothing. It's a realization, a, a consciousness before God of my spiritual emptiness, of the, abs there's a, of the absence of self-importance, the absence of pride, the absence of ego, this spiritual uh, characteristic that you will see in every believer is he has come to that realization that he is nothing. He's been emptied of self. Before he was full of self, but now he has been emptied of self. Before he thought he was the bee's knees, he thought he was wonderful, but now he's come to realize he's not wonderful. He's come to realize that before God, he is in need. He's a spiritual beggar. He needs God. He cannot come before God and offer to him anything. He's been emptied of these things. He's realized his poverty before God, just like a beggar. A beggar who has little or nothing to eat. His clothes are rags. He has no money to buy things. Furthermore, in, yeah, he's in debt to uh, maybe uh, he owes thousands uh, to other people, and he's got nothing to pay. He's in a, 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 a state, a, a beggarly state. And that's what mankind is like before God. We are all friends, spiritual beggars. We have no righteousness. We have nothing to give to God. We are skint before God. Before God, we are penniless. We are threadbare. We are spiritually broke. That's what, that's what these words mean. Now, not everyone realizes this. Is this only for certain people? Uh, this, does this only apply to certain people that they are, they are spiritually broke before God? No, it's all of us. But the one who has believed in the Lord, he has come to realize these things. He's become aware of his true condition. All of us before God are spiritual beggars, friends. All of us have nothing, really. But we have, many people don't realize it. But when the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to work with you, he'll begin, this is the first thing that he will show you. This is the first thing he'll begin to do with you, to make you realize you're a needy person, to make you real. He won't puff you up. He won't build you up and say, you are wonderful. You're great. He'll first bring you down, and then he will lift you up. He will first empty you, and then he will fill you. This is God's way, friends. He'll first make you sad when he tells you about your sins, but then he'll make you glad when he tells you about the Savior and the forgiveness of sins that is available through faith in Him. This is how God works. You come to church, you may be troubled by your, these things that you hear. You say, I didn't come to church to hear these things. I came to hear nice things, pleasant things, warm things, things that can make me feel, feel good and within and lift me up. Oh, friends, when the Holy Spirit begins to work, He shows us those things that are uncomfortable about us. And then he'll show us the way out. But we must first see, this is wrong with me. I'm not right. I'm not right with God. I am a beggar. Every true believer 
has come to this position, has first realized these things before they're able to move on. What does it mean? It means that when I come before God, I'm not relying on my university education. I'm not relying on my successes and achievements in life. I'm not relying on my outgoing personality. I'm not relying on my ability to communicate. If I am good at communicating and leading others and managing others, I'm not relying before God on these things. I'm not relying on my nationality or on my good works or on my kindness to others, my decency in life. I'm a decent person. When I come before the Lord, I don't mention these things, but I acknowledge before Him, I have nothing. I am nothing, Lord, before you. It doesn't mean to say you're, uh, you don't acknowledge that these things are, they may be true of you, but before God, before God, we realize that He is great. He is everything, and we are nothing. We are empty uh, before Him. Friends, Let's think about some of the examples. In the Old Testament, uh, we could uh, mention uh, Gideon there in Judges chapter 6. And there he was. He was in the field uh, threshing wheat. And he was doing something very courageous, actually. Uh, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And he said, you mighty man of valor, go and save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And uh, Gideon's response was, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor, and I am the least in my father's house. That's his reply. I am poor, and I'm the least in... You're mighty! No, he says, I'm not. That's how we think, isn't it? Peter, uh, in the New Testament, you know, what he was like before he came to Christ, and we read uh, read it in our second reading. He was self-assertive. He was full of self-confidence. He was full of Peter. And he was very sure of himself, just like the modern man today. He's very sure about himself. He is full of self-confidence. I believe in myself, is the words we often hear. But when he sees the Lord, and when he sees the power of the Lord, and when he sees that miracle and that draft of fish that were caught, he changes. He falls down at the Lord's feet and he says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O oh Lord. He's humbled and he's brought to see his true condition. Oh, but we, we, we can even think of Christ. Christ humbling himself as well. You look at Philippians uh, chapter 2. Let me read to you. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Christ did this. We could summarize it and say, Christ, when he came from heaven, He emptied himself, not emptied himself of his deity, that he always retained, but he emptied himself of those privileges which were due to him as a king, as the king of kings and lord of lords. He emptied himself of that which was his right to be worshipped by all. 
he emptied himself of those things. He put off his kingly robes and he put on those robes of a servant and lived in that way amongst us. He didn't need to do that. He, in reality, is, uh, is, is full. He, he's spiritually a rich person. But here you see him, the Son of God, humbling himself in this way and putting off these things in order to uh, come and obtain redemption uh, for men. He who was rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake, became most poor, as we sing often at Christmas time. Oh, friends, this is it. This is uh, what, uh, what it means to be uh, poor in spirit. But how different is the world's way of thinking? How opposite to Christ's way is this world way, world, the, worldly, the world's way? I remember when I was in secular work, <laughs> the, at review time, you know, the, your, got your annual review, and uh, the manager will say to you, uh, now you've got to promote yourself. You've got to speak about yourself. You've got to blow your own trumpet. This is, you must do this. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I just felt, this is, this is not me. This is not the Christian way. But I kept hearing every year, you know, you've got to speak up. You've got to bring all the evidence now as well and show people what you have done and, and, and uh, sound out uh, these things so that people know and that those above know. And you're positively uh, instructed and counseled. Now don't speak. Don't belittle yourself. It's not good for you. It's not good for your self-esteem. And, and you're encouraged to take self-assertive classes and courses and so on. All these things is the way the world thinks. <laughs> but it's not the way that Christ uh, teaches. Sadly, this kind of thinking has even come into the church. You may go to a, a bookstore, a Christian bookstore, and uh, you can find many, many books on Be Filled with the Spirit. But you will find very few, if any, perhaps in the second-hand uh, section, that would say, be lowly in spirit. You need to be spiritually emptied. You need to be emptied of your self-confidence. You need to be emptied of your self-righteousness. You may need to be emptied of your self-importance. You will find very few books along these lines. If they are there, they remain there for a long time. They're not bestsellers. Or as somebody, A.W. Pink, uh, said, uh, you'll, you'll find a conference for promoting the higher life, but you won't find any conference for promoting the lower life. Do you? No. This is what Christ teaches us, friends, to be humble, to lower ourselves. Uh, God's presence uh, is to realize God's uh, presence, to lower ourselves in his presence, to realize our true spiritual state. This is what we are. We're nothing, friends, really. Who are you and I? We are poor, we are needy people. What, what have I, right have I got to lift up myself uh, in God's sight when he is so great and mighty and infinite and all-powerful and all-holy and worthy of all the praise and all the angels bow down before him? What right do I have? to lift up myself in his holy sight. I am poor, I'm needy. I'm not, uh, not self-reliant. Uh, this, this kind of person, he's not self-reliant. He doesn't think highly of himself. He realizes, and that's not only at the beginning of his Christian life, but throughout he realizes in a sense that he is still a spiritual beggar. And you know, friends, beggars don't boast. 
It would be strange if they do, maybe one or two do, but it's strange to meet a person who does, who boasts, oh, I'm a great person, but you, the evidence is all contrary, it's op the opposite. And our friends, it's an anomaly when man boasts against God and says he's great and wonderful. We're not. The only thing we can say is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Oh, Lord, be merciful to me. This is what I need. This is the fundamental characteristic, friends, that you'll find in every true Christian. This is the starting point in the Christian life. Now, don't get me wrong. Poverty in spirit, I'm not, it's not encouraging us to be just a bag of nerves. It's not saying to us that we should be a sheepish people, timid people, uh, just withdrawn people, uh, monkishly silent people. That's not what uh, this poverty in spirit is. Oh, I can't speak to other people uh, because I'm, I'm a nobody and we're just uh, reticent in that way. That, that may be like a false kind of humility. It's not saying uh, this. Neither is this poverty in spirit uh, the suppression of our personality. No, we are called to be who we are. We are given different personalities. It would be unbiblical for us to deny and to suppress our individual personalities. You remember Paul, uh, he was poor in spirit. He came to realize all that, he'd, all that he'd done, all his righteousness that he'd achieved, all that education sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, and he, he came to realize it was all done. It's all rubbish, it was not worth keeping. And he, uh, he came to uh, realize that poverty in spirit and to ask God for mercy. But when you read uh, the New Testament letters and study it as we've been doing in our midweek Bible studies, well, you realize that his personality is still there. It's sanctified personality. It's a gracious personality. But his kindness, his steadfastness, his thoughts, his way of doing things is still there. He's, it's still Paul. But uh, his distinctive character is there. And so uh, for us friends, being uh, poor in spirit doesn't mean we're suppressing and, and putting on and affecting a humility. It's you and I being who we are but realizing at the same time when we're face to face with God, well we're nothing really. We are spiritually uh, empty and need uh, filling. Well, uh, let's think as well about this second part. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or we could say, for theirs and theirs only is the kingdom of heaven. Those who have this spirit have a right to the kingdom of heaven. They are the citizens of Christ's kingdom. The poor in spirit, can you see it friends? The poor in spirit are actually rich. Those who are poor in spirit are given the kingdom of heaven. That it belongs uh, to them. Not only does this refer to a place in heaven, uh, but it's speaking about something, a present blessing that, it, that they have. The kingdom of, for, the, for theirs is the present tense, the kingdom of heaven. A foretaste of things to come is given to the person who believes in Christ, the person who is poor in spirit. They may not have a lot outside, materially. They may be Mr. and Mrs. Ordinary to everybody else. They may have just the basics in life, 
There's nothing special, nothing grand, nothing glitzy about this, this family, this couple. But they are believers. They're poor in spirit, but in God's eyes, they are uh, also uh, rich. They're given the kingdom of heaven. Spiritual riches are communicated to this person now in this present life. He has communion uh, with Christ. The eye of God, his Father, is ever upon him. The promises of God, the many promises of God, are all his in Christ Jesus. They all belong to him. They're all under his belt. The throne of grace is ever open to him, and he can uh, know and uh, answers to prayer, God helping him at all times, God being near him at all times. He has the assurance that the Lord will provide all his needs. Christ will lead him. Christ will comfort him. Christ will be near him all his days. Christ will take him to glory. These are the blessings of the kingdom, friends. These are the spiritual things. Oh, they're so much better than material things. They're worth their weight in gold. You cannot compare. One is as dross, and this is lasting, real uh, uh, things to have. That's why Christ says, happy, really, truly, supremely happy are those who are poor in spirit. They are rich. They have the kingdom of heaven. To have, oh friends, this poverty in spirit is a blessed thing, a happy thing. It's an evidence that God has worked in your heart. Do you have it, friends? Do you know it? Can you say before God that you know this? Then you have an evidence that He has worked in your heart. You have an assurance that this is a work of grace in you. To know poverty in spirit will also quieten our souls. Oh, pride does the opposite. Self-importance does the opposite. Self-seeking does the opposite. These things, pride, they disturb us. They annoy us. They, they, they hurt us. When other people are, are preferred before us, or other people are praised, or other people are lifted up, and we are and nothing is said to us. What about me? We say inside. What about me? But we, we, we think, I should get the praise. I should be in the limelight. I should, get those, I should be patted on the back by other people. Why is it not happening to me? Or why has uh, he got so much more than me and so much more gifted than me? Why do I only have so little? It disturbs us. It annoys us, pride, and the sense of self-importance. Having this poverty of spirit will bring you to quiet. You won't be so troubled about these things. You will rejoice that other people are given more and have more and are, and are, are in the limelight more than you are. That's not something that you will uh, seek after. And then also, having this poverty in spirit, well, it will make you more thankful because a beggar is thankful for the smallest mercy that he receives. And so also for us, the smallest mercy we receive from God, we will be so thankful for. Oh Lord, I'm not worthy of the least of your favors and blessings. You give me one after the other after the other. And we are so thankful uh, to him. Oh friends, how uh, can a person become 
uh, poor in spirit. Well, don't look to yourself. Don't look at yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Look at God. Compare yourself with the Almighty. Get to know what He is really like. Read about Him, friends. Read the Scriptures. Study God. Compare yourself with Him. Study the Lord Jesus Christ in the Gospels and you'll see that compared to God, compared to Christ, well, we're so small. We are uh, so, we're so little. We are of value to God still. There's no doubt about that. We are of value to Him. He's told us these things already. But in, we, in terms of uh, uh, what we have to offer to God, we have nothing really there. Oh, friends, I conclude with this. Before ever God can give us the kingdom of heaven, we must first be emptied of ourselves. Before He can fill us, we must be emptied of our pride and self-importance. As the hymn writer said, that I am nothing, thou art all, I would be daily taught. Oh, may the Holy Spirit teach us these things. It's a lesson that we learn at the beginning, a lesson that we need to keep on learning in the Christian life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And let's close by singing our final hymn which is number 551. O oh, Jesus Christ, grow thou in me. 551.